My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of land that jo- Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired from his journey, sat down there at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? For Jews use nothing in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who was saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you do not even have a bucket, and the cistern is deep. Where then can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the cistern? And drank from it himself with his children and his flocks. Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I shall give will never thirst. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come back. The woman answered and said to him, I do not have a husband. Jesus answered her, You are right in saying, I do not have a husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you people say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said there, Believe me, woman, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You people worship what you do not understand. We worship what we understand because salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And indeed, the Father seeks such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to them, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us everything. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one speaking with you. At that moment, his disciples returned and were amazed that he was talking with a woman. But still no one said, what are you looking for? Or why are you talking with her? 
the woman left her water jar and went into the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I have done. Could he possibly be the Christ? They went out of the town and came to him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. So the disciples said to one another, could someone have brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say in four months the harvest will be here? I tell you, look up and see the fields ripe for the harvest. The reaper is already receiving payment and gathering crops for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For here the saying is verified that one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the work, and you are sharing the fruits of their work. Many of the Samaritans of that town began to believe in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me everything I have done. When the Samaritans came to him, they invited him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more began to believe in him because of his word, and they said to the woman, we no longer believe because of your word, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. Have you ever forgotten to eat? It's a strange question. How can you forget to eat? Well, recently, a bride and groom shared how that happened to them. After all the catering places that they had visited and debates over the menu they had, when it came to the actual wedding day, they had forgotten to eat. Between taking pictures, greeting their over 250 guests, the toast, the dancing, more pictures, the whole celebration and the feast just flew by. So much so that it didn't even register to them until the next day when their friends were commenting on how much they enjoyed the cocktail hour, how great the dinner was, that the couple looked at each other and realized that neither one of them had had a chance to eat themselves. That recently wedded couple is far from the first who found that in the excitement of the wedding day, their normal human urges could get lost. It's true on the other emotional extreme as well, when people suffer a loss and are grieving and mourning. Sometimes that experience is so consuming, they have to be reminded, you need to eat. It's even true that sometimes people can get so engulfed in a project or a task that they're working on, that this very human need can get eclipsed. Has that ever happened to you? that you got so lost in something you were doing or maybe so overwhelmed by some emotion that you didn't even notice you hadn't eaten for an extended period of time. 
We're so acutely tuned to those feeling of those cues pointing to a hunger or a thirst to our, our physical needs and attending to them on a regular basis that those times when they're, they're forgotten and the why are noteworthy. Throughout this gospel, we keep hearing about hungers and thirsts. We have the disciples leaving Jesus to go to town for food. The woman's coming to this well to draw water to attend to her thirst. Jesus asks her for a drink, which sparks this whole fascinating dialogue between her and Jesus. The disciples coming at the tail end of this encounter are not sure what's going on. Do know that the reason they left Jesus in the first place was to get food. So they imagine Jesus must be ravenous as well as they plead with him to eat. And then Jesus turns down that offer with initially something that confused them as saying, I have food to eat of which you do not know. All that doublespeak about hungers and thirsts, how they're tended to, it all points to the reality that there are physical needs and there are spiritual ones and how God can use the one to point us to the other. And that's nothing new. Think back to the first scripture reading we heard today, coming from the book of Exodus. Just a quick recap. Over 3,000 years ago, our ancestors in the faith, the Jewish people, had just experienced freedom from slavery in Egypt through mighty words and actions through God's loving and guiding hand. First, the plagues that visited the Egyptians who were oppressing them, while at the same time protecting and sparing the Jews. Then God sends a, a pillar of cloud and a, a fire that guided their path out of Egypt. Then they get to the Red Sea, a seemingly dead end, and God parts the waters for them to lead them to freedom, and then allowing the waters to flow again, drowning the Egyptians who had pursued them. After they were in safety and their journey along, there was an instance where the Lord had purified their water. Seriously, they were complaining that the water didn't taste right, so God fixed that for them. And then they had this heavenly sustenance called manna, literally bread that was falling from the heavens to feed on as they continued their journey to the promised land. The point was, in countless ways, every day, the Lord had proven he was with them. Every day he was caring for them. Yet, in the first reading, we pick up the story of how on this particular day, when they get to the next stage of their journey towards freedom, there was a setback. Yeah, they had gone to where the Lord had directed them to set up camp, and there wasn't water there. And what was their response? To remember all the ways that God had protected and provided and guided them? To recall the the big and little miracles that had been utterly amazing. To recount how faithful God had been. Not quite. They turn on Moses and say, why did you ever make us leave Egypt? Was it just to have us die here of our thirst with our children and our livestock? They're grumbling. They're complaining. They're questioning. They make it seem like it's directed at Moses, but in reality, they're grumbling and complaining and questioning God. Their human needs and these trials drive them to the point that the very name of that place of trial was called Massa and Meribah, 
Meaning, is the Lord in our midst or not? But notice, God didn't get angry with them for their lack of faith. He uses his very human experience to show out miraculously once again. Moses strikes the rock and water flows from there. God answers their question, is the Lord in our midst or not? With a definitive yes, as he provides water to address their physical need. But it was meant to be more than that. It was meant to become a reminder of his loving presence that was with them even in the midst of their trials. They had to remember that. They needed to trust him. They needed to put more faith in him than in their physical wants and needs. And when doubts arose, which they would, they had to, as that responsorial psalm that we sang remind us, look to him, listen for his voice, and most importantly, harden not your hearts as at Meribah, as in the day of Massa in the desert. Easier said than done. Look at this encounter in the gospel as Jesus meets the woman at the well. While we don't have the full story of what happened, why was she married five times and now living with someone that wasn't her husband? We can surmise that there's been a lot of pain and sadness. She's been hurt, probably manipulated and used. There's been bad decisions and sinful choices. She's heard gossip slander her and making her trials become labels and lies that diminished her view of herself dash her hopes, and yes, harden her heart. So she's isolated from her community. She feels distance from God, and she's simply in survival mode. She's just going to the water for, going to the well for water just to address that physical need she had. But this would be no ordinary day for her. Jesus is sitting there waiting for her. And he engages her in this somewhat humorous dialogue where he not only speaks into her painful story, but also that of her people. Because, yes, she's experienced brokenness and judgment and isolation, but so have her fellow Samaritans. The Samaritans and the Jews had been warring with each other for centuries. The Samaritans had kind of been the long-lost cousins to the Jews. After their kingdom had become divided, they had allowed pagan customs and even pagan gods to enter into their, their lives of faith. And so their faithfulness in the Lord God had begun to waver. And their Jewish counterparts had made their displeasure known to them, and that turned this into a really bad family war. But also isolation for the Samaritans, where they felt not only this distance from their fellow Jews, but from the Lord God. They still believed in him, But more than likely, in answer to the question, is the Lord in our midst or not, they had assumed the answer was not. So the woman at the well is not only dealing with the baggage that's weighing her down, but she represents her people. And as she encounters Jesus, God himself, sitting at the well, asking for a drink. And as that back and forth continues, as she realized that, Jesus isn't scandalized by her presence, nor is he put off by the hardness of her heart. He keeps gently engaging her till she realizes that he's drawing deep into her heart and soul 
for her to recognize her hunger and thirst for him. And that starts to melt that hardened heart as she realized that the feeling is mutual, that he hungers and thirsts for her. That's why even if Jesus was physically a bit parched and felt his stomach grumbling, he didn't notice the need for the water from the well or, or food from the apostles. Nor did the woman worry about her thirst as she abandons the jar and runs back to town. She's experienced the living waters of Christ. And that brought her new life. And the joy of that encounter moves her from being alone and isolated to being a messenger to the very people she had been estranged from. She boldly returns to any and everybody to tell them to come and meet Jesus, the Christ. So often during Lent, we can get distracted by all that we're doing or trying to do, what we gave up, what we've taken on, what we're trying to do. And that's understandable. Lent invites us to enter into a spiritual desert, which means we have to disorient our routines to make that happen, especially as we engage more intentionally in those spiritual practices of fasting, prayer, and giving. And in all that, though, we can get lost in denying our physical wants and needs. And some of our everyday hungers and thirsts, they can take on even greater urgency than normal, especially the ones that we're intentionally denying ourselves. But the whole reason we do this is not for some spiritual endurance challenge to prove to God how much we love him and to appease him. Thousands of years later, after experiencing the glory and of the resurrection and the ascension, the one thing that remains unfinished for Jesus is us. That in the perfection of eternity, the one thing lacking or missing right now is us. And remarkably, Jesus hungers and thirsts for you and me. He meets us. He waits for us right here wanting us to believe that his love is greater than anything we've done that we tell ourselves is so bad that keeps us at a distance, that makes us doubt, that hardens our hearts? Do we believe that? Will we go to him, go to confession, and bring our sins so that we can experience his love and mercy ourselves in the sacrament of reconciliation? And then share that truth that transforms the Samaritan woman, makes her witness and testimony resonate for thousands of years. That there is nothing we can do to stop God from loving us. This Lent, may we be brave enough and humble enough, like the Samaritan woman, to let him, and then to love him back.